Hello, and welcome to Somewhat Damaged. Don't worry, you're in the right place. I'm still your host, Greg Alperin, and while the name may have changed, the unhinged and unfiltered comedy stays the same. Sit back, relax, and listen to the hot and fresh new episode. Buckle up. Yeah, let's talk about that special. Cool. Yeah, I feel really good about it. I feel good about how it's going. I um, I took a big chance and self-funded it so I could do it my way, which has kind of always been my instinct. Sometimes that's really worked out for me and other times it's really not. Yeah. And, uh, certainly putting my own money into it when I have a mortgage and a, at that point, like a five-month-old son, I was yeah, like, right. this might be stupid, but... <laughs> I've only, I think after, after uh, what I got paid, I only lost a couple thousand bucks. So that's like a, like a win. Phew, a like win. That's a win in this Huge case, win. but I just really wanted to do it different. So I shot it at 10 different venues. Sure. Um, a lot of these venues are sort of more underground places. Yep. Some of them with roots in the music scene, a lot of documentary footage about sort of traveling from one gig to the other, showing what it's like to mess around with your opener on the road when you're bored and you don't really yeah. know anybody in that city. Yeah, it was fun. Footage sitting in traffic, having meltdowns. And then also because I'm me, there's chaos. There's footage with alligators. There's a girl who gets up on stage in Baltimore and fights me. And that that's another side of things. I, I kind of really like it when my shows fall apart and I'm, right. I'm willing to kind of follow it if things get nuts. So kind of felt like shooting it this way my hope was maybe we can capture some of that in a way that a regular special couldn't so we managed that and it's not perfect but it's got a lot of heart and i'm proud of it yeah i know it's very cool i mean it's called half my life represents you're spending half your life in in, in comedy and to a couple of things you mentioned there's a lot of similarities between the three of us i also grew up in northern jersey not far from you and, and john uh, oh, whereabouts bergen county saddle river area mm -hmm. uh and there's so much stuff I want to talk to you about Jersey wise, but yeah. watching that, the special, I, there's two things that I have to, well, there's like more than two, but the, the first one I want to ask is the girl that comes up and, and wrestles you on stage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Like that just spontaneous, like as, it, as you showed in the video and like, what are you thinking? <laughs> I'm ready to go. I'm happy about it. It's a, I'll tell you what, like, like here's the crazy part is two nights before in Philly, another guy got on stage and wrestled me too. And uh, we we really only could use the footage from the one and the, the Baltimore one, she was like a five foot one girls and it was very charming. And then it's the whole thing where her friend revealed she didn't even know who I was. Right, yeah. Philly, it was right. a little more violent and my glasses got broken. So it was a little more sad. So we went the Baltimore fight, but I tell you like, I'm not baiting fight. I'm not baiting these fights. I had a joke um, that was actually a really good joke about um, me fantasizing about uh, putting this park ranger in a chokehold. It was a very, that's the bullet point. Makes no sense. But, um, and then my director, we were editing throughout 2020. She goes, I'm starting to realize that maybe this isn't the year to be like, you know, putting out a joke about wanting someone to die because you intentionally aren't letting letting go of a chokehold i was like yeah yeah you got a point there you got a point let's be smart let's be respectful so i don't bait these fights it's just i would tell that joke and two different times people started kind of yelling at that they also did grappling style martial arts and this is not like we all know there's a comedian i won't name names there's a comedian famous for heckler videos and sure. other comedians get mad because they're like he baits the hecklers and then only shows the part where he's shutting down the hecklers i'm not baiting these things I just like when they happen and I think, you know, my background with the Chris Gethard show, that show was complete chaos sure. on live national TV by the end. Um, even my background back at UCB when UCB was really in its golden age, like I just spent a lot of time where I feel very, very comfortable as things get really sort of uncertain on stage and maybe even feel like a little like where I like maybe pushing it to the point where the audience is starting to go. I'm not sure how this is going to end to the point where maybe I'm a little uncomfortable. Right. I just have always really liked that. And actually just kind of randomly, I think have a lot of experience experience in that environment and feel very um, confident in my ability to, right. to I mean, Chris, handle it. Mentioned it before that you like it when things go awry at a show. I mean, there is that 
you mean this 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 documentary and special really pulls the curtain back on you know the the less glamorous side of our industry um why why do you i mean everybody kind of strives for that perfection why go after that kind of like that comedy of errors well it's a it's a really good question i feel like it's reflective of the fact that you and i have gotten to know each other uh because it, I think it really is kind of in tune with how I think in general. It's just, you know, I had an HBO special. I had my own show on True TV. And, you know, there's there's a part of me that feels like a lot of people would go, okay, if the last one was in this size venue on HBO, then the next one has to be in a bigger venue on a plat, you know, on on an equivalent platform. Or, and I sit here, I go, well, that's not what it really looks like and feels like 99% of the time for 99% of comics. Like I watch specials. The thing that always makes me laugh is, you know, it's like a fancy venue. People are in a fancy outfit, but I always laugh. I always check the sneakers. They're always like, that's the first time that comic, they want, they went out and bought those expensive sneakers with the money from this thing. You can always see, and it's, and it's, and I get it. And it's cool. Cause it's a celebration. It's sort of like, um, what would you say? Almost like a coming out party for this material and these comics. And if it's one of your first few specials, certainly it's almost like a, like a debutante ball, right? You want to show off what you do. And that's great. And I did that with the HBO special, but there's a part of me that has always relied on honesty to have a connection with my audience. And the honest truth is my show got canceled in 2018 and my HBO special was in 2017. And it's been kind of a down couple of years since, and that's great. I'm still, Nobody needs to worry about me. I'm still making good enough money that I feel no stress. I'm lucky, but even for somebody at my level who's who's kind of hit those things, yeah, I, I fly to Buffalo. I rent my own car. I drive to Detroit. Like, I don't have a tour bus. I don't have a support crew. Like, I use that Hotels Tonight app to find the cheapest hotel after yeah. the show, you know? And, like, I think people would actually be pretty shocked that, a lot of people who are doing really well. This is still the reality. We're still basically carnies, you know, sure. we're still basically it's us and pro wrestlers and actual circus performers, I think are like kind of the last people living this wandering carny life. And, uh, you know, tying into the fact that I'm, it's like been half my life and kind of reexamining where this career's brought me thinking a lot about the fact that I used to be regarded as kind of like an underground hip, almost like tastemaker in New York comedy. Now, now a lot of my jokes are about having a kid and right. moving back to the suburbs and kind of like taking stock in that. And there, there are always going to be some elements of rawness, even desperation surrounding the life of a comedian. I'm not one of these people who thinks a comedian's life is particularly hard. Like we're not coal miners. Right. We're not working in steel foundries, but it's it's very unique and sort of has almost this like like I brought I said before about pro wrestling. It's almost got this like kayfabe to it of like, yeah, you get to see the person on Netflix, but you don't see the four years of shows before that that are happening. Sure, in dingy places and not always great crowds and half sold out clubs and places where they papered the room so they could sell more mozzarella sticks. Like this happens to people at a pretty high level all the time. So I thought it was interesting to kind of show that off. You know what I, I, when I as I started watching, I mean, you, you mentioned punk rock in the early part of the, of the special, but watching it reminds me very much of all the old skate videos I watched through like the eighties, you know, when I was in high school and it, it just, it brought me right back to like when I would watch those guys, you know, the guys like just skate through the pools in California and then talk on these handy cams and then splice it all together and it just seemed really like natural and raw and like it totally and then seeing you do the the shows in the rock clubs that were mainly like you know harder edge rock punk style clubs it br literally brought me right back to that so i'm curious if that's a feel you were actually going for uh i mean you saw the grin break out on my face when you skate skate video right. um my director kate sweeney i know her from the jersey punk rock scene right um we we came up at separate times, we're both within the New Brunswick, New Jersey punk scene, which has always been a very, very strong music scene. And sure. she directs a bunch of music videos. She was the segment producer on my old show. I said, Kate, like, I kind of want to do this thing where we just do it our way 
I fund it. We don't get notes. People tried to offer us money um, and said, you know, we'll come in and there's one company that wanted to come fund the whole thing. And I was like, I know this is crazy. It would have tripled our budget. I was like, I want to do this one my way. Yeah, I, I got to do it my way. And I said to Kate, I was like, I want to do a comedy special that makes me feel like how skate videos used to make sure. me feel. Yeah. I, I said those words. And in particular, um, if you if you were a punk fan growing up in the 80s and 90s, there was a documentary called Another State of Mind. Right. And it followed the band's Youth Brigade and Social Distortion and then eventually Minor Threat. And that video, I used to watch that thing on a loop. And I said to Kate outright, I said, I want to see if we can make a comedy special about like a 40-year-old like a 40 year old guy who's getting lamer by the day, <laughs> but that captures the same vibe. Cause my friends told me, go get this video, go buy this VHS tape at this store in Montclair that sold punk stuff. Yep. This will tell you what this punk thing is all about as you're discovering it. And I'm sitting here going, I wonder if I can make the comedy version of that. Right. And, and not right. Cause you guys know as well as anybody. And John, you see it all the time. I bet of there's young comedians who moved to New York and they might have been cream of the crop in a smaller city and they might have it in their mind of like, okay, I'm leveling up and now it's going to start to turn into like money and fast pace and this and that. And it's like, no, no, like you're going to spend years, even when you have caught momentum, it's going to be gritty. It's going to be raw. That's part of the deal. So yeah, I want it. I said the word skate video. I, actively wanted to emulate uh this one particular punk doc it was exactly what i wanted so i'm glad it's coming through and most of the venues that i played in it also were ones that i have personal relationships with that i self-booked and are all very you know music rooted many of right. them actually like diy like the places that wouldn't even call you back if you had your agent call them you know right. like live master like live nation Ticketmaster. these are not on the grid those are very important places to me and they kind of represent an ecosystem that's outside of the norm. Right. And they've been a real salvation for me as someone with kind of a stranger path and a stranger act. I do a lot better at those places than I do at some it, of the traditional It's good clubs. that somebody's showing it, Chris. And yeah. the, I mean, we're getting an influx and we've been getting influxes of, of comedians that come to New York City and think, hey, I can make it, you know, I was big in my small little town and they'll make it out here. There's one kid that I, I just had. Um, He's like, yeah, I used to, I, I was like the regular opener or at the improv in Tempe. And I'm like, that's awesome. He's like, can you give me a shot? And I was like, I'll give you five minutes right now. I liked it. And the first show I booked on him on, he was on a park show yesterday. And he had to kind of fight for, uh, for he had to sing for his supper, really. And it, it's funny that it's great that you're kind of pulling back that curtain, as we kind of talk about, like, that, you know, bringing out the, uh, out the kayfabe and showing what it's supposed to be like, like it sucks. You're getting paid in drink tickets or, you know, especially for a touring comic, like all this stuff that you're going through that you're like, like being pretty much alone in a spot that you have no idea, no, you don't know anybody. Um, it's, it's very interesting to kind of like to see that. And I, I would challenge any new comedian or somebody that thinks that they can kind of make it right now to see this because Chris, I mean, There'll be some nights like it'll be late on a Tuesday and I'll text Chris like, I had no idea you were in the other guys, by the way. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And now like this pulls the curtain back a little bit, be like, Yeah, I wasn't the other guys, but fuck, I, I still want the Ramada for thirty nine dollars a night. If I can save that, you know, if I'm getting me and my opener rooms and I could save fifty bucks between the two of us, I promise you, that's not me being a cheapskate. That's that is the reality for a lot of us. Now there's people who are certainly bigger than I am who never who choose to never deal with this again. There's a certain degree to which, yeah, I'm opting back in to playing small venues, but but it is it is important. It is very important to me as well. And it even it's even within New York because John, like one of the guys featured so heavily. I, I really wanted to show the aspect of road life, which is I realized this. I I used to open for Mike Berbiglia, and I did it for a year, 2014. I remember like three or four months in going like Mike most of you having me here is just so you have someone to like eat lunch with. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And I think that is kind of like a thing maybe people on the outside don't realize. It's like when you get to a point where you have enough of a 
financial, you know, you're making enough money that you could pay someone to come out. You want to support other artists. You want people to kind of learn the ropes. You want to have that tradition. You want to pass it on. You also want somebody to drive from Omaha to Wichita with you so you can talk to them at night. Like that's the reality of it. And Carmen Christopher and I have been going on the road a ton. And I don't even like saying he's an opener because he's he's so big in the Brooklyn scene and, and the weirdo scene. And the deal with him and I was, I, I went to him. I was like, I've watched you absolutely run the room all over Brooklyn. But I was like, if you come on the road with me, because even before this tour, I, I took Carmen to the Tempe Improv that you mentioned. We played the Funny Bone in Syracuse on the third floor of a mall across from a Margaritaville. Like, if Carmen's act and my, like my act is a tough sell in those places. And I'm a storyteller and it doesn't have enough punchlines, let alone him doing his weird character. So even within New York, you can be, you can be huge in a certain context. And then if you're somebody who doesn't want to just rest on your laurels, it could take you forever to break into the clubs. You could be a club comic who goes and eats it at some of the shows in South Brooklyn that cater to the NPR crowd because they're going to go, why are you being so aggressive with us? You know, like you could be, there's just so many things, even within New York. So I wanted to show that aspect, hanging out, rounding out your craft, part of the challenge of going on the road and doing different spaces. One thing I always aspired to was I want to play anywhere. I started as an alt guy, UCB, a lot of standups hate UCB, shifted over to Rafifi when that was the big alt spot with Eugene Merman, Dimitri Martin, those guys, Nick Kroll, John Mulaney. And I was very safe in that zone. And then I remember really having it in my guts going, the two people I looked at when I was switching over to stand up and focusing on solo performance, Mike Birbiglia, John Mulaney, my jaw used to drop because they'd come do a show with me, like a storytelling show I organized at UCB. And then afterwards, it'd be like, oh, you guys come to the bar to be like, oh, no, we got to run up to Caroline's. And then, you know, one of them would be like, after that, I'm going to this club. And then the other one would be like, oh, yeah. And then I got this thing that's like, BAM is organizing it this late night. And I'm like, what are you talking? You can do all of those in one night. So to me, I was like, I want to be able to do the weirdest room. I want my TV show to have this reputation that it's like completely distilled nuts, alt nonsense. But then I also want to get past at any room that will have me. That's not that. I just always, I'm rambling now, but I just felt like that was very commendable to kind of have this thing of like, you know, you can work any room in the city. And I don't know that a lot of people have that. And, and then going on the road is a natural extension of that, right? It's interesting though. And if you look at comedians in general, Chris, I mean, your trajectory is very different from, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's proof, it's proof of concept that alt rooms do can't, can't still sell. And I'm sorry for making this a blanket statement, but you know, you also have the ability to have a podcast, uh, beautiful anonymous, which is while, while it, it, it's not really comedy based, it's no. real having real conversations and it's 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 an, it, it's interesting to see that you know somebody of your stature um, um, is doing something that is non-comedy and is doing something that's non-mainstream by literally saying no to production companies that I don't want your money like it's it, it's crazy it may well, have been stupid to turn <laughs> money. our lives would have been much easier um, and we were very much in over our heads, but I'm really happy with how it turned out. And maybe it would have turned out the same or better with that money. <laughs> I don't know. But what I am certain of is that this one didn't get taken away from me. And with my old TV show in particular, that went from being totally mine on public access to more and more notes, more and more people telling me. Uh, there was one episode we did with a dumpster that like has gotten all these write-ups. People are like, this is like the underground classic piece of television you need to know about. I got executives telling me, well, if you want to get something as good as the dumpster episode again, let's do this. I'm going, you weren't, we weren't even on this network for that. You can't tell me how it went. So I just really wanted it to be mine. And then beautiful anonymous, like you said, I, I intended it to be comedy for anybody out there listening. I thought it was going to be mostly like, young punk rock kids prank calling me instead it turned out to be like a much more a sort of like 
chiller, older crowd willing to share secrets with me. But what I think what all my stuff has in common is I want it to feel honest. I want you to feel like you're getting a sense that I'm not putting up any guard. I'm not putting on any airs. You're getting me in this moment in real time, how I'm feeling. That might be different than how I felt last week. I'm not going to sit here, try to craft an image. It's never, ever worked for me. So all those things. Yeah. It's, sometimes I feel like you said, John, like it's been kind of like non-traditional or like the lane I've walked is kind of very unique to me. And sometimes I sit and wonder, I go, if I had just managed to be like less ADD and just say like, I'm the best at blank. Right. I can crush this kind of character in the UCB context. Or when it comes to stand up, I do this type of thing, or I have a talk show. Let me maybe find some elements that make it palatable to people who like talk shows. I don't know why it's never been my instinct. Does that disappoint you though? I mean, well, yeah, I'm curious. Like, how do you look at, like, where do you look? How do you look at your career at this point? You mentioned it before, but like, 20 years in with yeah. the same amount of stuff. I mean, it's like the, the credits and what you've done and all the specials and TV and movies, everything. It's like crazy. But how do you look at it? Well, it's it's wild because it's like I've chosen, I've opted into the, like you said, I'm the guy who turns down the money to make it look better and sound better and bets on that. There's a part of me that still every day goes, man, is it self-sabotage? Like yeah. when I was booking parts in movies and sitcoms, which happens every now and then, I'm like, that would just clearly be happening more if I moved to LA. I've never wanted to. Is that self-sabotage? I don't know. But then I also take a deep breath. I go, I don't think anybody else is even thinking about a lot of the stuff that I do. I also think, not to be cocky, I do think that there's been a, a frustrating thing with my career where I'll, I think I will sometimes do stuff or pitch stuff where people will look at me like I'm insane. And then three or four years later, it clearly, I had a sense of where it was going. I, I, I almost consistently start doing stuff that's viewed as very weird. And then five years later, it's not weird at all. Like, yeah. I'm not patting myself on the back, but we used to do like an audience interactive talk show um, where when celebrity guests came on, the whole bit was, no, you have to participate in the stuff like us. And then I'm not saying anybody ripped me off. I'm just saying the culture of the times. It was a few years after that, Jimmy Fallon's getting 30 million views for having Reese Witherspoon smash an egg on her head. You know, it's not, and I'm not saying anybody that ripped me off. I'm saying I saw the writing on the wall. People don't want... We have Twitter now. We have access now. People want you to feel like you're one of them. You know, same thing with Beautiful Anonymous. Not saying anybody owes me any. People have done it before I have, but it was it was a little tough for me. And certainly Berbiglia has done one-man shows that went comedy. A lot of people have the whole Edinburgh scene. I didn't invent a thing. But Career Suicide, it got a lot of press. And then Nanette, which comedians have all their opinions on Nanette. I enjoyed it. I applaud anybody who takes chances. But then, you know, comes out two, three years after mine, I think, or a year and a half, two years after mine. I'm reading all these things. This is a totally new thing, this comedy that will just have minutes and minutes to sit in sadness between punchlines. I'm going, man, I did do it in recent memory. And God <laughs> bless Hannah Gadsby. for. Also, let me say this. Part of that is because Hannah is not me not a white dude. And therefore you watch it in a way that I sit there, I went, whoa, Hannah's getting put under a microscope and a magnifying glass and picked apart in a way nobody did. Part of that is just unfairness sure. to Hannah's work. So, but I see it, I go, man, it's very frustrating. And I do wish that I had a job that would consistently lock in health insurance. It's like down, to, it's that basic, you know? I love my career. If I had health insurance, I probably wouldn't stress so much, but you don't get health insurance in this. And I get my health insurance through acting. Last year's the first year in 15 years where I didn't get enough acting jobs to get it. A part of that's the pandemic. It's also part of me going, move to LA if you want your health insurance. Don't move out to Morris County, New Jersey. It's the opposite direction where you're supposed to go. But so I stress, I worry about it. And then I take a deep breath. I go, but I think I've done some cool shit. And I think I'm going to have a pretty cool obituary. And I also know that more than a lot of other people and not 100% of the time, 
I think I walked the walk. I don't think I just talked a good game. I think I walked the walk so on the stuff you have, that I claim to be. Did you have health insurance when you jumped into the alligator pit to do stand up? I did. I did have health insurance then. And just to be for anybody who watches that footage and is going like, this looks dangerous. Like, here's the magic trick. It was. <laughs> it was. Like, I was actually kind of, first of all, they built that set with the brick wall and the logo. We didn't, that what we didn't pay for that. We just showed up and that was there. They didn't even tell us they were doing that. Wow. I was like, what? Like, you guys are already just letting us come in and film here. And now you're also building our sets. That's awesome. <laughs> that makes the whole special better. And then the only protection I had with, there was one guy who was hanging out with me. And every time they let me get up close to an alligator, he'd be like, if it comes at you, just get out of here. I got it. And he'd stand like 10 feet away. And um, yeah, that it was pretty scary. And he didn't have like a taser or any sort of like noose or net or wrangling device. It was just this guy. And the stuff, when I went in the pen with Chester, the dog eater, which right. is like yeah, yeah, a yeah, huge joke about him, but there's a reason they keep him in a glass booth by himself. Like it's a vicious animal. That was the one where before I went in, they, they were like, okay, if he, if he tries to get out of the water, you are going to sprint to that door as fast as you can. <laughs> and you're going to get out of my way so I can get up. That was the one where it was really tense. So yeah, if I, if I didn't have health insurance, I would have. All right. So here's the question though. Done that. As you're as as old as you are right now, would you yeah. rather go back in the alligator cage or go on the alpine slide? Alligator cage. Alligator cage. <laughs> I, I'm sitting here and doing some honest soul searching and <laughs> being having an albino alligator walk towards me from four feet away while my back is against the fence. Did ultimately feel like a safer environment than action park it really did <laughs> this is not bluster it's true so yeah i mean that that obviously i, I we need to talk about that because i had seth on um oh right very after, nice right after the the doc came out and I, I grew up in northern jersey and spent a lot of time in vernon at the playboy club pre all that stuff i was obviously mm -hmm. way younger obviously a child but then action park i mean my parents would drop me off at action park with my friends and you know 12 hours later come back and get us and half of us would be bleeding and crying and scraped and with red iodine on them and all kinds of crazy stuff but like i mean it was i, I talked about john all time like that those are some of the best <laughs> memories of the craziest place and wildest shit you could ever do in a controlled atmosphere. So like, yeah. how did you get in the, like, did you know them? Like, how did you become part of that, that, that documentary? So I, it's a really roundabout thing. I used to work at a magazine. You may have heard of it called Weird New Jersey. Yeah, of course. Which if you, people who don't grow up in New Jersey, you maybe have seen, they had a book series, Weird US, Weird, yep. I wrote Weird New York, Weird, all over the country. That started as a fanzine in New Jersey. And for, for people of a certain generation um, or, you know, at this point, two or three generations, like that is, that was like a, like if you had any interest in counterculture in New Jersey, you knew about this. And sure. when I worked there, I, um, I think I was being younger than my bosses. I was the first one to bring up, you know, that people my age talk about action park incessantly, you know, we're obsessed yeah. with it. And they were like, yeah, we've always heard about it. And then, we did a couple big features on it. And if you read the Wikipedia entry on Action Park, I'm, I'm actually, there's citations to articles I wrote in there and there's actual quotes and that thing's gone viral a bunch of times. And then I talked about it on stage a couple of times. I think Seth maybe knew me as a comedian, but in researching it, found my articles and realized, oh, here's like a, here's a ringer. Here's a funny guy who's actually researched this place. Right. We did a web doc that went viral and then it came around to the big doc. So I actually feel like between that Wikipedia entry and what I wrote at Weird New Jersey and these docs, I'm like, you could make an argument that I'm as responsible as anybody for these urban legends. And now I think Seth is clearly, you know, Seth and his, uh, his co-director clearly have taken the, the claim on that. But for a while there, I was really feeling it. And then I think Seth caught wind of that. And I got to tell you, 
being in that documentary has done more for my career than anything since my HBO special. Really? That's not a joke. Even this, even half my life, we were pitching it around and the deal we eventually went with, the, the guy who saw it from Comedy Dynamics very, very kindly took it on and you know, said, we think you did a cool thing here and I want to like get your back. You put your own money into it. Let me help you out and help you make that money back, which was so cool. But the predominant thing he said when he first saw it was, oh shit, this is the guy from Class Action Park. Like, right. Is that Brian? That's Brian Volkweiss. Yeah. yeah. Like super, yeah. super nice guy. Amazing dude. Has yeah. my back hard. But the reason he was like, I want to, I want to bet on this guy is he's like, I just saw him in this other weird thing. I've gotten pitch meetings off that documentary and then of course the like i said i pitch things and everybody looks at me cockeyed and i go <laughs> five years so what what's your like if someone said what you know i'm not i'm gonna ask you what's your like one defined memory of action park oh the the main thing because everybody talked about the alpine slide that was the big one in jersey if anything with the documentary, I might actually say they did a real, really, really great job of rounding it out and showing that it wasn't just the Alpine slide. Sure. It was Definitely. dangerous all around. I also felt like they probably could have leaned a little bit more into the Alpine slide because right. it was legendary. For me though, they talk about the Alpine slide, Tarzan swing. I think those are the ones that you knew if you just watched the commercials or yep. you just heard stories. There was a ride there, I think called Cannonball Falls or the Cannonball. And this was the one we talk about it in the doc where you start at the top of a hill and you're just going down a regular water slide and they don't tell you that eventually you come around a corner and there's just a hole and you shoot into this tunnel and it's pitch black. Yep. And if you have not scouted it, which I had not, you don't know that when that tunnel opens up, it's actually about 10 feet in the air. Yeah, I remember it was like 20 feet. <laughs> I remember it. Too. I mean, I'm, I think I'm underestimating. It, it's funny because I watch back the footage. I go, okay, it's not as high as I remember, but it's still pretty fucking high. Yeah. And you'd be in the sky. You'd go yeah. from a water slide to pitch black to in the sky, which was extremely jarring. And that was the one where I got hurt. That was yeah. the one where I was all messed up. But that, not, you're, you're, you're leaving out that then you wind up plunged into the coldest water you could possibly imagine ice cold ice cold, ice cold. It, it was it, to, to, and that's and, and that's all probably within 15 seconds you're going wait it's dark uh, wait i'm in the sky it's cold like it, it it honestly was that shocking an experience where i'm not kidding like if if somebody went on that thing and they had heart disease or they yeah. like you'd you'd have a heart attack and die it, it was yeah. legitimately terrifying those, those, um, Nobody over 21 in that place anyway. Uh, I do, I do also, I went on the Alpine slide and I remember the guy in front of me, his sled was broke and, um, and the brake was in the off position. And I actually got off and dragged my slide off and got back in front of him and put it back on so I could keep going. Right. I'm not going to go an inch, an hour. And, but I think... And if I remember, he was holding his kid. I'm like, he's just getting slammed into from behind over and over. <laughs> it's completely broken. Yeah, that, it's funny because people who who have seen the doc that you know didn't grow up in New Jersey or know about this place and knew I grew up in New Jersey. I mean, I can't tell you how many people have been like, "Hey, did you ever hear of this place, Action Park? That sounds like a fantasy like <laughs> place." That I, like, yeah, I've heard about it. And the it thing wasn't, that, I mean, listen, even when they went into mountain, when they turned into Mountain Creek, I mean, that was my generation. That was kind of, the, I did Action Park back in the 80s, like when I was a kid in the early 90s, but then it went to Mountain Creek. My friends were working there and it was a, I mean, it's, it was a shit show over there. I mean, we would turn rides on like late nights. I mean, and like we'd be in the wave pool. One of my favorite things you brought up Tarzan <laughs> Swing is we'd see, we'd see who the out-of-towners were and we would hear that when they would just go up in the air and just land right on their back. And uh, it was it was one of those experiences like growing up. I mean, granted, this Action Park, all they did was rebrand themselves in the Mountain Creek. It was the same exact thing in the late 90s yeah. and early 2000s. Um, it was absolutely out of control. I mean, I worked for Gene Mulvihill for three years and that guy is nuts. Well, was nuts, you know what I mean? But yeah. it's one of those you have to be from Jersey and I love that's why I love talking to you Chris because like you're from that New Brunswick area you've got that kind of DIY vibe that the punk rock 
and you're, you're true to yourself. But you got in a little bit of trouble over pork roll or Taylor ham. Yeah, people get very upset that us North Jersey people call it Taylor ham. And I, I've actively been making a play to try to become Jersey's comedian. Like I would love to die as the Jersey Springs, as the comedy Springsteen, you know, like that's our guy. I don't know if I'll ever get there, but yeah, uh, people get very mad about the Taylor Hemp pork roll thing. I don't even eat it anymore. I went vegetarian a few years ago, but I still get mad. I'll still have the fight. And you know what you guys can speak to is the action park conversation. I think what's really fascinating outsiders about it that maybe they can't totally put their finger on that we can is Action Park represents much more about the time and place. And oh, where sure. we're from, you you do get in fights about breakfast meat. It's not just Action Park. We all know there were just as many stories about Great Adventure having fucked up things. Everybody always heard about the girl who got her head ripped off by the free fall, that her hair got <laughs> caught in the free fall on her scalp. Now, is that true? I don't know. I do know that the haunted house legitimately burned down there. People died. like that was the that was the classier one. You you go to a diner late night in New Jersey, and part of why you're going is because you're going to see what other towns showed up, and you don't know if there's going to be a fight or not. And that's part of what's fascinating, you know. Like everybody hits a certain age where you're like, you know, just graduating high school, and you already got your friends at Rutgers, and you're going to go there. You're going to wind up at some fucked up house party, and again, you know, you might see some fights. You might have to jump in. You know that you might have, especially pre-cell phones, you might have some friends who get separated. You're going to just find them tomorrow. Like <laughs> it really, you're going to go down the shore again. Number one thing about the shore, you go down when you're a young kid, everybody's drinking. There might be fights for so many places in New Jersey where it was like a presupposed, have your guard up. Things might get violent. Things might get dark. Nothing is safe. You go down the shore after your prom, right? Everybody rents a hotel room in the winter. Everybody's getting hand jobs. Like you're sharing a room with another couple and you're all just trying to like not face each other while there's two hand jobs happening. Like it was really, it was like a really intense. And I think it probably still is. I pray less so for my son, but for our generations, it was like, and then on top of it, our parents, the thing I don't understand that the documentary even underlined for me is like our people our age, our parents would tell us every day, go outside, play, come back by dinner. And also don't fuck around. Cause someone, if you see anybody in a van run, and if anybody gives you a Mickey mouse sticker, it has LSD on it. Don't yeah. put it on your skin. And if you go down to the park uh, in that next neighborhood over, I keep hearing that there's Satanists who are sacrificing chickens down there. This is not an exaggeration. We were told things like this every day. And yet we were dropped off at action park and our parents would just wait at the bar. We would, we would be 16 years old and going to a college town and getting cross-eyed drunk and waking up in a strange house where we didn't know where we were and we had to wander until one of our friends found us. Like, it was this completely contradictory time. And I think New Jersey has to have been one of the most concentrated pressure cookers within that. That's what, that's what Action Park taught me. But Jersey people know Action Park was like the visible... It, it, I don't want to say it was the tip of the iceberg because it was such a massively dangerous place, but it was not the only thing yeah. by far. I, mean, I We used to go when I was 16 to all like the, the punk rock, hard, you know, hardcore heavy metal bars and club oh, would have 16 and overnights. The pipeline and, in Newark and uh, what was I doing there? You know? Oh my God. There was, club one, in in, there was one in Hillsdale called uh, the China something or other. And then we would go to Lamore in Brooklyn and, um, Ugh, I can't remember some of the other ones. I mean, things like the Birch Hill. I mean, yeah, Birch Hill. Oh, you yeah. know, like those places. Like I remember Hunkabunka. getting Hunkabunka, Sayreville, New Jersey. Hunkabunka, Sayreville, New Jersey. God, I mean, there was White this- Snake Friday. Hunkabunka. <laughs> 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 and then it would be like a teen party the next yeah. day. Yeah. I, I went to this one place in Nanuet, New York. It was called Zazines. I don't know if you guys ever heard of it, but it was it was like an it was like an everything club that they would do different things every night. Sometimes there were bands, sometimes it was strip clubs. We used to go on a night, it was like a Friday. It was ten or twenty bucks, all you could drink, didn't card anybody. And 
they would do seven o'clock. It was guys stripping for girls. And then at nine o'clock, it was girls stripping for guys. But the girls would always stay, right? And just stay through the guy's side. And everyone was flat out plastered drunk in this like orgy of like teenagers. <laughs> it was unbelievable. It was like the worst, but the and best. It, it also was, you'd go to punk rock shows. And I think this was everywhere, but in Jersey, it was, we were constantly, you'd go, oh, Somebody with a shaved head just showed up. Check the color of the laces on their Doc Martens. Yeah. I yeah. forget what it was. Oh, if it's red, they're a Nazi. You're Nazi. like, what? And then you have to like, and it was a known thing. Oh, we might all need to team up and get this Nazi out of here. And then in high school too, it's not an exaggeration. Pretty much everybody, if you didn't have a thing to do on a Saturday night, oh, what do you want to do? Should we go break into the abandoned mental hospital? And that was not even an unusual thing. That was not even an unusual thing. So I'm not trying to be like back in my day or whatever. Who cares? I do think it is a, like when you guys are asking me, you know, when I'm sitting here answering your questions going, I still am a little stressed out. Why haven't I got mainstream? Is it self-sabotage? But there's also a part of me that goes, the positive side of where we grew up is that it does breed, I think, the exact attitude that I can't let go of, which sure. is self-sufficiency, bet on yourself, fight for your ideas. The negative side of New Jersey is this constant assumption that no one believes in us, which I don't know that that's true, but you grow up feeling it. You grow up being made fun of for having ambitions. You grow up feeling like when you try to bust out, people are sitting here going, what, you think you're better than us? And you have to reconcile the guilt of that. Because we also all know this, for every, and in, in the, I can speak to the comedy world. I'm sure it's true with every type of art. There are incredible, incredible artists from New Jersey and you hear about them. And there's a reason that people like Springsteen and John Stewart and, and a lot of other people are from New Jersey. It's it's a part of them. I've never spoken to these people about it. They're inaccessible to me, but there are. But we also know, for every great comedian working the scene in New York right now, there's three that self sabotaged because they bought into all the bullshit we grew up with. So the positive side of growing up where we did is you're like, I, I feel like I'm damaged, and I better get to work and out hustle everybody if I want to make it. The negative side is I think too many people buy into the, the, the negativity or the limitations or even romanticize those things. And that's a shame because there's a lot of untapped talent there too. But sure. we grew up in a place where that wasn't a priority necessarily. It was more about watching your own back. And I feel like I've managed to flip my career into I will watch my own back and then fight very hard for the things that I believe in has it served me well i think ultimately yeah even if it's created some stress yeah it also doesn't hurt that you know or help or hurt however you want to look at it that all that's happening and you're living in the shadow of new york city i mean if you are an ambitious if you are an artistically ambitious person from new jersey especially my area i am telling you that without exaggeration if i exited my front door, my child at home, made a right, walked up the hill, two blocks, turned around. I could physically see the Manhattan skyline. Yeah, it me was too. Like, not only does no one believe in us, I am physically every day <laughs> looking at the place where my dream could become, as a someone harboring secret comedy dreams, I'm like, I know that is the worldwide center of good comedy. Yeah. I can see it right there. I grew up in the same town as Rascals and I never went. I was too scared to go. I'm sitting here scared of having a dream. And it took me years to shake that, to shake that feeling of you don't deserve this. Who do you think you are? You know, all these things you hear, especially I grew up in like a very Irish Catholic place. And some of those Catholic school kids could just be so mean, just yeah. so what you think you're better than me. No, I don't think I'm better than you at all, but I kind of want to get the fuck out of here. I think we can all agree this is not a good fit. Like, it doesn't seem like you guys like me very much, and I don't feel very safe or comfortable. So, yeah, maybe I need to act on this impulse to to kind of say all these things that are sitting in my guts. Yeah. 
Well, John, I think um, it's come to that point where you ask your uh, your question of the week. So, but Chris, I think you have to couch it a little bit, knowing that Chris has been locked in a hotel room. True. So I'm gonna. This is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna ask you three different things, Chris. We ask about food. Traditionally, we ask what's the best thing you ate this week. Probably okay. you ate room service, if anything. No, I. It, it's worse. They put me in one of these ones with like the shitty kitchenette. So I'll be cooking awful food for myself <laughs> to save money. <laughs> Not good. Gosh. So I'm going to ask you where the best pizza in New York, in New Jersey is. Best I, diner. Okay. As well as the best food, where the best restaurant in New Jersey is. Your opinion. This could create a lot of backlash. I mean, okay, best pizza, I'm lucky. Because I grew up in the same neighborhood as the Star Tavern. Okay. And the Star Tavern, you look up any list of best pizza in New Jersey, it's always up there. It's always in the discussion. I mean, my mom grew up a block from the Star. I grew up 10-minute walk from the Star. So I got to go Star Tavern. Star Tavern is a great pizza. Great pizza. Greg, have I, you been? No. No. I feel like Seton Hall, I always heard that it was like in the Seton Hall circuit of Seton Hall kids would drop by there. Yeah, we used to go and go down to Star. I remember SOU, we would like at least like any like of these road gigs, if we were down in the, we did, did like hunkabunkas or something like that, we would get like pies, you know, and we would eat that because we would be stuck in the fucking parking lot for three hours and we needed to wash, you know, we'd have like a case of Natty Light. That's what we would do is Star Pizza and, and Natty Lights. My my next door across the street neighbor growing up the entire time I, I lived in New Jersey, which from the time I was, you know, child until I went to college, owned the pizza restaurant in town. And to this day it's one of the best pizzas I've ever ever had in, in uh Montvale, Jersey. Well that's the move, right? It's always the neighborhood places. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. the thing with subs in particular Jersey loves subs, but I mean White House subs in Atlantic City is great and a famous place and Sinatra loved it, but we all know the best sub you're ever going to get is the one in your town. That's sure. the best sub. And everybody can say that legit. Yep. Uh, best diner. Uh, Tops Diner constantly gets written up as the best. I'm going to tell you another thing too, though. Um, the Summit Diner, if you've ever seen yeah. that one, it's like, it's like a classic little like old like metal chrome diner right next to the train station and there's just the romance of a diner is really summed up in that place because that's like a mix of like commuters waiting for the train and like construction guys headed on their way to the gig in the morning you go that's new Jersey. that's just everybody mixing together and it's like that's a beautiful one too best restaurant is really tough right there are so many good places. When was the last time you had a good rest, a good meal at a restaurant? Because How long have you been vegetarian? You said three years. Three years. That does make it tough. That right. does make it Go tough. In uh, in Rutherford to a place called Park and Orchard. I have not yet. No. It, I think there there was some. It, I, they might be closed now, but they've been in business or were in business for forty years, and they they were like one of the first restaurants to kind of specialize in vegetarian like food right before it yeah went crazy and it, you know they serve meat too but they did a ton of vegetarian dishes and i used to date a girl that was vegetarian we used to eat there all the time and it was it is to me the best restaurant that i've ever eaten in new jersey and then they sold it and the people that bought it screwed it and i think the the people that started it bought it back but it's in rutherford right kind of by giant stadium if you if you if it is open you should check it out it's, i have it's to awesome. i mean you've certainly sold it um <laughs> i feel like if i want to talk about my recent experiences when i moved i've moved to morris county so morristown is a very nice thing for somebody who lived in the city as long as i did because it's it's I can get there in 15 minutes and it has a downtown and actually it's become like a foodie spot. South and Pine is one that comes to mind right. that I've had some meals that really I walked away from. I wasn't regretting it. Um, I've been a big fan lately. I've been, I've been doing shows in Asbury Park and Asbury Park has had this renaissance. By the way, yeah. another place growing. People who see it today find it unbelievable how you go see shows down there. 
felt unbelievably dangerous, yep. yeah, largely abandoned town. Skate and surf there in the early 2000s, and I remember like we would stay at that. What was that one hotel that was Berkeley? Like, yeah, the Berkeley. We'd stay at there, and I remember like we we went to go get booze one time. I was like 19 at the time, and I walked up, and the guy just fucking handed me like it was like he's like, "What do you want?" And I was choosing, and I was like, I was so nervous. I had a stupid fake ID that I made with my Seton Hall ID that's had my birth date on it, which is completely not real. Yeah. And I remember he was just like cash or credit. And I was like, Whew. Yeah. <laughs> that place was sketchy. You do sh- you'd go to see a show at the stone pony and it'd be like, and now let's go home. You weren't hanging out like that, yeah. but Porta, there's a restaurant named Porta, uh, in Asbury park. That's gotten a ton of press and it lives. That's up one, high- see one in Jersey city, right? There's a Porta in Jersey City and there's a Porta in Asbury Park and and they they've kind of built these legends quick and woo that place is really good and then I guess the other things I would just say categories is if you don't know Jersey obviously I mean Porta is an Italian place tons of good Italian places actually a good cluster of Italian places in Orange uh, in a neighborhood that used to be very Italian and then. Um, the iron bound for all like the Portuguese and now Brazilian food too. It's just crazy. Just crazy. So um, yeah, a lot of good stuff. As a vegetarian and living in Morris County, you need to try, if you like Indian Chan palace in Mm -hmm. Persephone, it is Indian place, strictly vegetarian. One of my favorite spots uh, to get paneer over. There is, I believe I might be misquoting it. There's a place closer to me. It's on 202 called the country store. That's like a little satellite deli that the same, I think the same family owns it and they cook Indian food and they make, dude, they make these paneer sandwiches that they put in a sandwich press and I'm addicted to them. What? The oh, country that's... store out on route 202, man. Ooh, like that's no joke. And I, I, they own an Indian restaurant in Parsippany as well that I know is very well regarded. So it could be the same spot. But All right. yeah, Porta is ridiculous. South and Pine, I've had some great meals. Uh, oh, another place. And again, these are all kind of like hipster, buzzy places. But in Sterling, which is in part of Long Hill, it's in the middle of nowhere. It's a place called the Sterling Hotel. Yes. They do great stuff. Great yeah. stuff. Their outdoor space is amazing over there. Amazing. Too. Chance like you can play cornhole over there. I went to a New Belgium uh, event over there. Such a cool spot, and like the food is great. Food's Super great, fun. and they'll have music out there. And that's another thing I really love about New Jersey is that some of the best places are kind of you hear where they are, you go, wait, what? It's in Sterling. Like yeah. that's a, I mean, that's they're like I. I think I've heard of a Sterling train station, maybe. Like nobody's nobody's ever been to Sterling. It's in the Great Swamp, you know? Off the beaten path. Yeah, and I do love that. Pizza, Patsy's and Patterson is my favorite uh, pizza in all of New Jersey. Uh, solid spot. Um, I'm going to go best diner, Peter Pank. Oh, the Peter uh, right Pank. There one, uh, right there on Route 9. Yeah. I love that the Peter Pink. I heard it closed. No. No. See, I growing up where I grew up in New Jersey, if I got past like Saddlebrook, it may have may as well been Delaware. My friend Don is from uh, River Edge. And yeah. he told me when I moved to Morris County, he's like, I cannot believe you sold out and moved to South Jersey. I yeah. was like, yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> and I'm going to say this, and I've said this to Don, and I'm going to say the same thing to you, Greg. I am fairly certain that the reputation of Jersey being these aggressive, instantly defensive people who are ready to throw down, I would say 98% of that is because of Bergen County people speaking. <laughs> the most combative, it's just because you got to deal with Route 17 and Route 4 and you have yeah. blue laws on Sundays. Like, it's and all the city people come out to hit up the malls. Bergen County people are are almost entirely responsible for. I'm not going to say you're wrong. Not gonna say you're wrong. Ridiculous. It, Maybe it, some Hudson and Essex County in there too, but more so. Bergen I, County, I, where I live, was as north as you could go. Like we bordered Pearl River and Nanuet or Spring Valley, whatever. And like 
yeah, he, your buddy's right. He's like, I, I can't tell you how many times people be like, yeah, I live in, in Summit. And I'm like, wow, that's got to be three hours for me. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, when I went to Rutgers in New Brunswick, I was like, oh, man, South Jersey. And everybody there was like, you're crazy. But I, I mean, still kind of think it. Peter Pank was the original for me because that I, I, I'll still come up from Atlantic City and I will stop by Peter Pank like after a night, of, you know, like getting, you know, being out in the casinos and I will stop there and have like my hash browns and eggs over there just because it has these feelings of nostalgia of like hanging out there, you know, till two, three o'clock in the morning and pissing off the waitstaff because all we're drinking is coffee out there. Um, best restaurant, uh, just new. I mean, it's not new, but if you get a chance in Hoboken, it's called um, Antique Bakery. Um, this was originally a bakery where Sinatra used to get his bread from um, back in the 1960s and 70s shut down but they still have the same oven got re uh, back in the early 2000s they uh, revitalized it kept the same oven uh found some of the old bakers and like got their recipes and it's this cool little hipster kind of restaurant i mean it's too close for comfort for a lot of times i literally on saturday saturday friday i sat in the kitchen pretty much expo was right next to me the dishwasher was behind me <laughs> like I could feel the oven heat hitting the back of my head, but amazing place, a little overpriced, but just like the, the history of it and that bread, they had this stuffed eggplant bread, Oof. which was out of this world. And it, apparently it was Sinatra's favorite or the waiter was bullshitting us, one of the two. I also, you brought up Patsy's and Patterson. I agree with that. I also will give a shout out to the Reservoir Tavern in Booton. Solid spot. That Absolutely. is no joke the reservoir tavern no joke absolutely i mean everyone says that like i mean when i used to work in parsippany that used to be the spot that i would send people for, for pizza you're absolutely right on that yeah and then i mean you get down towards trenton you got those tomato pies you, jersey shore has a bunch of great pizza so spots weird. too jersey no, shore I'm, the boardwalk has those starving. slices that are like eight inches wider than your face man it's crazy <laughs> You know, it's funny. I was I ordered a pizza for my kids the other day, and I ordered a large cheese pizza from like a local, you know, like we live in a in a college town, like the local college pizza joint. And um, I get this large pizza that I looked at it, and I'm like, that's maybe a slice, slice and a half of New Jersey pizza. Like I couldn't believe it. I'm like, this is. <laughs> I'm so pissed. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's tough. There's that aggression we talk about, Greg. <laughs> but we do have the best pizza. We do have Connecticut does have the best pizza, I'm sorry to say. Well, you got the New Haven stuff, which is yeah. it's not a joke. And then also people don't talk enough about the colony in Connecticut. Yeah, that's is, we, that's well the, the original ones in Stanford, right? Yeah. But yeah. I live in Fairfield and they opened one up in Fairfield about 10 years ago. So I've taken John there. At like I don't know, he's the whole time he's been out here. He's probably gotten twenty pizzas from Colony. They got the bar pies like Star Tavern. Yeah. yeah. I also want to. Oh, for my anniversary though, another off the beaten path Jersey restaurant. It's the Gladstone Tavern. I think not the Peapack there. The Glad that town Peapack Gladstone. That's one of those like Somerset, Somerset and Hunterdon counties are like these secret, ultra beautiful. Sure. rich people counties basically and there's not really much of a reason if you're driving down 287 you see time signs where you're like what the fuck is far hills i've never heard of far hill all these towns you never heard of um and the gladstone tavern it's again it's like out in the middle of nowhere beautiful beautiful drive to get there and then uh it's real trying gladstone this weekend yeah you know it's funny that that 287 drive through jersey is like a really nice drive like yeah you know? I live off of uh, 287 now, and I feel like I'm giving away too many details for stalkers, but <laughs> you also take the county roads through there. If you stay off the major highways and you go down those stretches that like take you down through like Chester, yep. and then you keep going and it's High Bridge, and then you end up in like Frenchtown, yep. all those towns throughout there are really kind of like way hipper than you thought. They all have these little downtowns with like, like, you know, where you'll find like antique stores and record shops and then like two good restaurants per town where you're like, holy shit. Yeah. So a lot to discover. Yep. All right, man. Well, listen, thanks a lot. Good luck with the, the, um, the special. Of course. Thank you for having me. 
sorry. I know I ramble so much and I get worked up about stuff. There's a lesson. We could, I mean, listen, we could do three more hours just on Jersey. Yeah. Oh, so we did another Jersey podcast. Yeah, oh, we didn't mention your Jersey oh, podcast. Oh, yeah, New Jersey is the world, baby. Check yep. it out. Check yep. it out. So we'll put all that in the show notes, and of course. And, um, you know, we'll see you when you're back in the city doing shows and stuff. Yeah, I can't wait. Thank you guys so much. Great to catch up. Thanks, Great man. To catch up. See you soon, Chris. Thanks, Chris. <laughs>